0: Welcome to Woke and Confused, the podcast delving into the environmental dilemmas of our time. From palm oil to plastics, climate change to behaviour change, doing the right thing can be a complete minefield. We're on this journey with you and we'll be exploring some of the day-to-day challenges we face and the decisions we struggle to make. We're your hosts, Livy Drake and Jessica Farrow.
1: And we're Woke and Confused.
0: Coming up in today's episode, we reveal our latest environmental dilemmas. We visit Extinction Rebellion and discuss the mass movement that's got everyone talking. And then we return to Greenwash Corner.
1: So we're Livy and Jess and we're your hosts. Uh, We're both sustainability consultants and super passionate about understanding how we get our heads around the dilemmas that everyone's facing as climate change and insectageddon and all these other things become more and more pressing. So, this is our second episode, Livy. I know, back again. Exciting. In the hot seat. Yeah, <laughs> it's good. And I feel
0: like I've been talking to loads of people recently about this and just telling them that we're setting up this podcast. And it's been really nice to hear that a lot of people are struggling with these dilemmas as well. So I hope that our listeners can take something from what we're discussing. And the topic of the day is, of course, the Extinction Rebellion. And we'll be talking about that later. But first...
1: Dilemmas.
0: What's your dilemma from the last week? Then, what's got your what's got you thinking?
1: Well, I'm. It's a, like an ongoing dilemma from a couple of months ago. Actually, um, I went. I took an aeroplane trip. <gasps> went away for a month, <gasps> and I felt insanely guilty the whole time I was away <laughs> about flying. Um, and so I want to offset it, but I've looked into the different offsetting schemes, and I just feel a bit confused about which ones to do. Um, obviously, I don't think that offsetting kind of it doesn't necessarily get away from the guilt but I want to be accountable for my actions but I was looking and it's like do I plant some trees in England or do I help a school in uh, India or where's the best place to plant trees so I'm in a point of um, environmental paralysis <laughs> yeah it's a bit of a
0: minefield and first thing I say is uh, that's a massive topic and I think we're going to do our next episode on that topic yes great. because I think uh, it's something that all of us share taking flights is part of our culture and I also recently took a flight and had a similar feeling of guilt and then I realized that guilt wasn't a very helpful emotion to have um and yes it's more important to take action and think about offsetting and options and reduction and we're going to explore all of that in our next episode so yeah was, uh, I was my I feel problems
1: you. will be resolved well can't
0: promise that but let's we'll definitely look at all the issues so my dilemma was actually just yesterday i had a meeting in london and i was getting the train back to bristol later on and the meeting finished around eight i I was reluctant to get food wrapped in plastic when i'm at paddington station so i went to um a place across the road that looked kind of like a cool vegan caribbean place and um i needed to go to get my train so I, i did ask for a takeaway but I was thinking because it was a wrap, it was going to come in like a paper thing. So I wasn't going to feel too guilty about the plastic thing. And I had a really nice chat with the guy. And then when the lady came over, I saw she had it in a plastic bag. And I was like, oh, no, I should have asked for it, not in a plastic bag. And then she came over and she goes, there you go, love. And I was like, oh, she was so nice. I can't say, like, I don't want the plastic bag. <laughs> and I just felt she was so nice. And I was just like,
1: thank you. And just, yeah. Classic. This is classic um, social um, acceptance. And this is so many reasons that we um, we feel uncomfortable asking for um, a takeaway or bringing our own boxes or questioning what people do because we feel like, oh, God, we don't want to be horrible to them. And it all gets a bit personal. I have the same when people fill my I take my reusable coffee cup along and then they make my decaf soya milk latte in a paper cup tip it into my cup Mm. and then throw away the paper cup. That's the nightmare. I I can't tell them, I can't ever tell them. Well, cause what's the point in that? Well,
0: at that moment I was thinking, well, if I say I don't want the plastic bag, she's probably just going to take the plastic bag and throw it in the bin anyway, so I may as well use it. And to be honest, the wrap was wrapped in a kind of black paper bag and it was fine when I got to Paddington, but it was quite a lot of sauce on it. It quite (laughs) messy to eat. So by the end I did, was quite grateful
1: for the bag. So at at least it was used. And you're going to reuse it, I hear you? Are you? Wash it out. (laughs) Wash the bag out, Jess. Oh, it's a step too
0: far, Libby. (gasps) Wow. Uh, But anyway, if I was going to become a regular customer of this place, I think I would have had a conversation. But also I was really tired. I'd been up since 6am and I just wanted a wrap. Or maybe next time take your box. Well, I had. I'd taken it for lunch. Uh, I had my box, but how do you put a wrap in a box? True, true so next time i think i'll just choose something that i can put in the box uh, and then i won't feel so guilty about all of it <laughs> so anyone else got dilemmas like this or is that just us <laughs> let us know Dilemmas. so that's all our dilemmas but on a more positive note livy what are you excited about at the moment
1: um, I think all the uh, momentum that's gathered around climate change and people actually talking about it.
0: Yeah, definitely. Um, I definitely feel like there's loads of momentum we've had in the past month. We've had Greta come to the UK government. We've had the school strikes um, leading up to this time. And then, of course, the Extinction Rebellion protests, which just feels like everywhere you go, everyone's talking about climate change all of a sudden.
1: And of course, um, the BBC have finally ta- talking about it again. So they had Our favourite, Dave, Dave Attenborough, he was on there with the climate change programme. And then also Netflix have released the very harrowing Our Planet programme. So,
0: yeah, it feels like it's gone a bit mainstream. It has. Even I looked at The Guardian this morning and the third story was climate crisis. Flooding threat may force UK towns to be abandoned. It's like that's just casual news now next to something about the Champions League, you know.
1: This is big. It's big. But But, I hope people don't become desensitised to it. So I think that segues nicely into the news. So I think the
0: only story we can really talk about at the moment is the fact the UK has declared a climate emergency. (laughs) (laughs) That's like serious high fives. It's a massive thing.
1: I think obviously not completely down to, but really um, catalyzed by all the Extinction Rebellion protests that were in um, London for over a week. Um, And obviously, we just mentioned the school strikes and the other things that have built up to it. And there's obviously been loads of organisations that have been campaigning about this for a long time. So, but Extinction Rebellion, let's talk about it. Yeah, let's delve in. So I think it's important
0: that we probably first just Define or just go over what the mission of Extinction Rebellion is. What is it? Because you might have heard a lot in the news and kind of confused about what it is. You've seen people gluing themselves to stuff. Yeah. What's that all about? So, Extinction Rebellion call themselves an international apolitical network using non violent direct action to persuade governments to act on the climate and ecological emergency. And they talk about their three demands that they have um, in the UK. And the first one is to tell the truth. And that's asking the government to. Tell the truth by declaring a climate and ecological emergency and working with other institutions to communicate the urgency for change. The second one is to act now. And that's asking the government to act immediately to start halting biodiversity loss and reduce greenhouse gas emissions to net zero by 2025, which is a hugely ambitious target. And we'll come back to that. And thirdly, to look beyond politics. And that's asking the government to set up a citizens assembly on climate and ecological justice to help people make decisions?
1: So I um, have been to a couple of Extinction Rebellion protests. So I went to the first one um, that was in London uh, around November time when the bridges got closed down. And that was quite um, exciting. And obviously, a big thing about Extinction Rebellion is the focus on people getting arrested. But I went there and I was Had no intention of getting arrested, and I think that's an important message to get out: is actually you don't have to get arrested to be involved with the Extinction Rebellion. Um, And then I also went along um, on Good Friday for this um, latest, the Spring Rebellion, and went back down to London. And in the interim, I had become a bit concerned that maybe this wasn't going to get the um, support of the general public, and actually it was going to carry on in this sort of vein of environmental not extremism but um kind of keeping it sort of very lefty hippie alternative uh, culture so i went along to see what was going on to be open-minded because lots of people were making claims like oh god extinction rebellion i mean the logo it's all just so wrong i mean if they got the logo wrong what else have they got wrong and really <laughs> sort of pick f- pulling faults at it without even attending yeah. so i went to be open-minded and it was amazing what they'd done and the energy that there was in London. People were really caring and its real focus was on well being. And they'd made areas like Westminster Bridge, which they closed down, really beautiful with trees and flowers. And there was free food being given out to anybody with for donations. And the general public were really receptive. I actually ended up giving out leaflets at one point. I got involved um, and people were really interested in what was going on, wanted to know why places were being shut down. And there was a lot of support. And I think that's actually demonstrated by the thousands of people who've now joined the Extinction Rebellion movement in the UK as a consequence. So I think it um, really did actually engage a lot more of the mainstream than I thought it would and also what I thought was really good was the approach to it they said that actually because um, it was going on 24 hours there was stages on all the different places where they blocked all the roads and on those stages that was going on 24 hours with music and singing and things and they said in all those areas there was no drinking and no drugs Um, which meant that it didn't just turn into sort of some crazy rave. So I think, you know, the way that it was um, conducted was very good at dispelling a lot of the preconceptions that people might have had about the movement.
0: That's awesome. And you took some recordings at the protest, didn't you? So should we listen
1: to those? Yes. Let's hear what some people on the ground had to say. So I'm here with Woke and Confused at Oxford Circus and we've got two uh, campaigners here with their signs. So who are you and um, what are you here for? Um, I'm Bobby, um, I'm 20 and I'm here because I want my children to be able to experience life as much as I have and actually have a world to live on basically. Thank you very much Angie. I'm Miriam, I'm also 20, uh, I'm a student and I'm here to campaign for the environment. For animals, for humans, it's not only for our health, but for the animals and
0: everything, basically. we Switzerland, but uh, I'm super happy to be here because I get to see what you guys are doing and it's just amazing. So amazing. But really I'm so impressed by you. the organisation and, uh, and the amount of people that are engaged. It's super. So now we...
1: Uh, I'm just trying to learn from you so that we can slowly kind of uh, build the same thing in Switzerland. And why
0: have you got involved? Um, well, yeah, I just I kind of wanted to come all week and didn't think I could get the time off work. I really believe in what Extinction Rebellion are doing. Um, and yeah, so I'm really glad I was able to make it down to kind of just do, do my little bit. <laughs> and hopefully uh, the world will catch on and more people will do the same.
1: have got to go! In our rightful place. In our rightful place. place. Solid as a rock. Solid as a rock. Rooted as a tree.
0: Rooted as a tree.
1: With the Extinction Rebellion? I'm Rita O'Regan um, and I've got involved because I really care about the future of the planet. I have children and I'm really sad about the fact that if we don't do something about it now, my children will not have a future that I would, they would like to have, any of our children would have, or us. So I really think we need to do something. I fully support the whole ethos of XR.
0: Ah, I love those clips. It's so nice to hear a real range of voices and reasons why people are there. I love the fact that the lady from Switzerland was saying that she was going to take ideas back. That's really cool to think that uh, this movement is inspiring people beyond just the UK. Um, I guess one of the things that the criticisms so far of the movement has been about it being quite a kind of white middle-class movement who are using their privilege to... Uh, be able to be arrested. And clearly getting arrested is uh, not something that everyone is able to do. And there was actually some controversy after Extinction Rebellion had posted something online about a kind of guide for going into jail or being being in prison. Um, And it said things like, make sure you take some good reading material, Make sure you practice your um, meditation and yoga. Make sure you um, actually it's probably a good idea to start doing meditation and yoga in preparation in case you're arrested. um, So you can spend a lot of time reflecting and thinking about that. And some activists or some lawyers and people involved in the legal justice system were horrified and and, uh, made a statement in the news that uh prison is not a yoga retreat uh <laughs> which allowed it allowed the extinction rebellion well they did actually remove that uh, guide from their web page so i think there's some really quite interesting arguments or feelings that have come up around that so what what do you think kind of being there did you feel like it was a kind of real white middle class
1: yeah uh-huh <laughs> the whole thing about saying it's you know a white middle class movement Yes, that's a kind of a bit of a reality of the environmental movement. You know, there is an argument that why, if we have got this white privilege and we do care about the environment, why shouldn't we using it for good, you know, for good, really? But yeah. there is, count. you know, there was a lot of stuff in the press um, from the black community saying that if they were on the street smoking weed somewhere, um, they would get arrested. Whereas people um, around London, sort of white campaigners were there and they weren't being arrested or you know, the the whole thing of having a choice of going to prison is very different to people who are being arrested because of the colour of their skin in London. And the police treated the protesters very differently to how they treat a lot of minority groups in in London. So there is a massive thing about colour um, in it and about, yes, yeah, sort of social status.
0: I think that's really interesting. And I think, I suppose, it's important, full disclosure... Livy and I have probably both squarely fall into the white middle class bracket. Yeah. I think uh, own it. <laughs> You know, and it's something that, yeah, I don't want to be apologetic for. It's some, It's not something that I um, chose to be. <laughs> but I am also think it's, I do really think it's important to be aware of my privilege. And I always try and check my privilege and think about how I can use it. And I think it's interesting to see a lot of the Extinction Rebellion protesters saying that that's what, exactly what they're doing is using their privilege as being able to be arrested and make this statement on behalf of the people who can't. So mm. I suppose it's interesting that it's been perceived in a negative way when actually it also could be perceived in a positive way. And I think that's probably something around the messaging of the movement that's not quite hit home with a lot of groups. Mm. I was talking to a colleague uh, yesterday who said, Oh, Extinction Rebellion. I can kind of see why they're doing it. But for me, it's completely missing the mark. They're disrupting people's lives. What about all those people who can't get to work? What about Mm. the people who can't uh, get to work? And if they don't work, they don't get paid and they can't feed their kids. And it's just really disruptive and it's really rude. And I just think they're just not doing themselves any favors. And I can kind of see how a lot of people think that. And extinction rebellion do acknowledge that it's unfortunate that they have to disrupt it but they feel that it is uh nece- it's necessary because the the issues um that we face are so grave that it warrants this kind of intervention and
1: and that's definitely something we were saying when I um, was giving out leaflets was, you know, Extinction Rebellion saying, sorry for the disruption. Um, we acknowledge this is inconvenient, but life's going to get a whole lot harder yeah. when climate change really starts to take effect. And I think that's the reality. Is like, you know, we, this whole thing about being the discomfort. And nobody, you know, that this is this is why we can't face climate change and it's been so difficult for humans to get their heads around it is that we don't like difficult things. We don't like awkward things. We hate inconvenience. And so we're like, oh, this is, oh, oh not today. I need to go to work. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, it was amazing. Lots of people took time off work for it um, and lots of people came and gave up time. And it's like, we, if you can do that then you should be doing that. You should be doing your bit saying, you know, and, and my thing was about representing all those insects and all those animals. And for lots of other people, it was the same. Those people who are voiceless and those people on islands in countries who are being negatively infected by climate change, and they haven't even been able to drive a car or, you know, have a flight. Mm-hmm. So we've all got to do what we can with
0: what we have available to us. Absolutely, and I think the other interesting thing to mention about the Extinction Rebellion movement, um, which I hadn't appreciated until I started looking more into it, and I actually attended my first meeting this mm. week, my local, um, my local meeting, and I received the induction, and I was really, I was really impressed by the 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 actually diversity of the people there in terms of age and backgrounds, and there was a lady in my uh, little group, and she was saying. Um, I've never done anything like this before in my life. Uh, I'm quite a timid person. I don't normally do anything, but it's just got so bad that I've come to this tonight because I just feel like I have no other option. And she's just, she was the sweetest lady and she was saying, I can't believe that I'm an activist. And I was like, <laughs> you're an activist. This is it. Um, and it was really nice to see. So, you know, it's kind of got to that point. Um, but during that induction session, which was very good, by the way, um, <clears throat> we talked about the mission, we talked about the aims, we talked about the uh, asks and about also the values of the organization. And what I learned a lot about was that the 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 people leading the movement have decades and decades of combined experience in protests, um, both as protesters themselves, but also as studying mm. the history of protests. And they've looked at protests from history, including the civil rights movement in America, uh, women's movements, and. Um, around the world and they've noted uh, patterns in in how they've reached tipping points for success. And one of the things that they've realized uh, is that you need to get to 3.5% of the population need to be actively engaged and on board with the message mm. to be able to affect change in the society. And 3.5% of the population in the UK is about 2 million people. Mm. And that's what they're aiming for. They're aiming to engage 2 million people and fully get them connected and engaged because that can start a movement and movements have succeeded with a lot less than that as well. So I think it's interesting because we don't need everyone to completely Mm. get it right now. Uh, We don't need everyone to completely understand that their work being disrupted for the day is necessary in the hope that at some point the repeat of the message and more and more urgency mm. will help them to understand. So, yeah, I think it's definitely raises some questions though around uh, the divided nature of the people who get it or who are kind of able to give up their privilege yeah, and the people or the people who are able to use their privilege for positive impact on behalf of everyone else and the people who aren't able to do that and therefore feel disconnected and alienated from the movement. So I think that's something to watch out for
1: and certainly i think the way that the movement's set up to be non-hierarchical although there are some leaders or people organizing stuff it's amazing and also challenging in some ways because you get sort of groups of people doing things or different people representing extinction rebellion and maybe putting off other people or so like on the bridge you have people with their go vegan or die Mm -hmm. banners and it's like that's That's not helpful to my mind. That's a really great way of alienating people. Mm -hmm. And there were certainly a lot of people who kind of fed back and were like, oh, yeah, when I was walking across, I came to see what was going on and there was some weird hippie chanting and that's not my bag. So there are elements of it that won't appeal to everybody. And I know um, from a a couple of meetings, some meetings I've attended, I felt like, oh, there's that thing of those whites." Do good, are really excited environmentalists who are occupying the space with their thoughts, and they know what's right, and that can really, you know, potentially put people off. But that's because there's lots of people getting involved in its value or the the belief of Extinction Rebellion is that you can do whatever you want within this movement as long as you adhere to the values of Extinction Rebellion. So you can get those people who may be a bit jarring and not everyone's cup of tea, um, but it's not a paid movement. There, there is money people are being paid to do some things but a lot of the stuff in the, on the ground and in the communities isn't so there is going to be elements that won't appeal to everybody but that's the reality yeah yeah absolutely and i think on the whole hats off to
0: the people who've set this up the organizers. what's happened in such a short space of time is nothing short of incredible and i think everyone has a lot to learn from the kind of what they've managed to achieve mm. and i think it's It's brilliant. And the fact that the UK now declared the climate emergency uh, is basically kind of the first ask is ticked off to some extent in that making that statement. But I know that that had been met with some kind of lukewarm response at the meeting I went to, because I think um initially there'd been a huge celebration and i think th- there were tears when it had been announced in the mm. meeting and everyone had been really excited but that was about a week ago and i think since then everyone's kind of said okay that's good but we need to keep our focus on the other two objectives and we need to also hold the government to account because it's all very well declaring a climate emergency but without any action it's just words and it's more mm. words and we've heard politicians say things before I think it's really interesting as well. The movement is focusing on the government Mm. because it seems to be very focused on getting that political change. Uh, And there's actually been an interesting development in the business community because there was a kind of section of Extinction Rebellion being set up called XR Business, uh, which was then supported by a number of leading businesses, uh, of the likes that you would expect some kind of prominent solar organizations and other purpose driven organizations mm. who signed a letter of support for Extinction Rebellion declaring a climate emergency. And then a member of Extinction Rebellion wrote a blog post basically saying, this is everything that's wrong with everything. We reject this and we don't want businesses to be a part of it. Wow. And okay. I hadn't seen. Yeah. That. And I think, again, that's about the kind of spokespeople for the organization. Yeah. And then you're kind of, well, who's actually speaking on behalf of yeah. it and who's actually making that decision and what's going on there? So I think it, it was a bit of a knockback for the business community who um, were well intentioned and actually thinking about, you know, some of those people like, for example, Jeremy Leggett, he set up Solar Century. He's been working on making the renewable energy normal in the mm. uk and helping to transform the grid to renewable energy and he's also got this very uh, involved solar development projects in the developing world and uh, has made huge contributions to the decarbonization of the country mm. i'm not quite sure how his contribution is not uh, welcomed or accepted by the mm. movement i find that a bit problematic and i think maybe there needs to be a more dialogue between Extinction Rebellion and the business community to help understand their concerns and to understand what the issues are, what the watchouts are. And I think it's true, you know, cap- they have an issue with capitalism. Capitalism has essentially failed everyone. <laughs> um, and it's true that it's a system that needs to be radically overhauled. Mm if we have any hope of having a future, I think. But I think there's also some really interesting initiatives about kind of purpose-driven business and, uh, you know, uh, kind of non-profit businesses and lots of interesting organisations that we need to think about all the solutions. I don't think we can just write off basically the people who are making things happen and also Mm. are the culprits at the moment. So I think there needs to be some meaningful dialogue.
1: And I think there is this massive thing in this, the whole environmental movement, which is probably why we we have so many dilemmas ourselves of like this bashing people for not doing enough and like being you know holier than thou mm. and it was one of the things that um George Monbiot said in one of his articles and he said that what will it take for people to take environmentalists seriously it, you know there was criticism of Emma Thompson for flying over from America to come to a climate um, protest and the hypocrisy in that and then there was lots of criticism of you know oh, how did they get to the Extinction Rebellion uh, protest? Did they come in a, a car or on a on a train? Did they use fossil fuels? Um, and what George Mumbio said was, you know, do people have to be wearing a um, a sackcloth and living in a barrel to be taken seriously? Because then they won't be taken seriously because they're too weird and extreme. And that was a lot of so some of the criticism that we got, and um, when we we're handing out leaflets, like things like "Go get a job," mm-hmm. and oh, "How did you get here?" Do you go on holiday? Do you eat meat? When was the last time you drove a car? And it's this—it doesn't help anybody. You know, we have to face the reality: is it's the system that makes all these things very challenging. It's the fact that a hundred companies are causing most of the pollution, and they're dictating how the kind of fuels that are in our cars, they've stopped a lot of developments and progression. And the government also, who's being lobbied by these people, are not driving things forward in a way that is more sustainable. It's being driven by profit. So I think, yeah, bashing individuals is not helpful.
0: Absolutely. And I think that's really important. I think individual actions, whilst they're important, they're not going to get us out of this incredibly entrenched mess that we're in and Mm. that requires big systemic change super interesting uh developments i'm really excited to see where extinction rebellion goes next i know they're taking some time to rest and recuperate but i know that we have definitely not seen the last of the protests there's going to be more um until those demands are taken seriously or met um then they will be carrying on and actually the zero carbon by 2025 that is an incredibly ambitious target and i think is falling just i mean it's it's way 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 ahead of where any business organization government is even thinking of you know people have carbon targets for 2030 or 2050 but 2025 is like in five years time
1: well i think that was the whole point it was like it had to be um really radical and there was lots of sort of criticism around that, like especially in the news saying, oh, this is unrealistic and they've got no idea. But actually, lots of other people came back and said, well, the thing is, if you set a target, then you've got something to work towards yeah. and we need to up the game. And if we don't do anything, then we're never going to know. And at the moment, all these targets are kind of like, you know, up there in the sort of the ether of what could be achieved. And if we're not working towards something dramatic, then, you know, so you know, 2050, 2030, 2025, whatever, let's actually start doing something rather than just talking about it. Yeah, definitely. I think it's easy
0: if you've got a carbon target for 2030 or 2050, even, you know, it's easy to kind of be like, oh, just put your feet up. We'll deal with that later. But yeah, the point is, we need to be taking some drastic, drastic actions soon. Like now, today, yesterday, you know, and I'm for one, I'm really excited to see how that manifests and who steps up and what happens next, because I think the government getting the government. I mean, our government is not exactly in the best. (laughs) I mean, do we even have a government right now? I mean, it's it's very confusing what's going on and they're very um, preoccupied with other issues. Um, And yeah, it's just whether or not they're going to take heed of this of this warning and whether they can come together and kind of actually. Uh, put this, I mean, Parliament passed this climate emergency, but government need to uh, actually embed that into law. So we'll see. Let's see what happens. Watch this space. But Yeah, watch this space. And well done to everyone in Extinction Rebellion. It's been amazing.
1: So next up, Greenwash Corner. (laughs) Greenwash Corner. So, Livy, what is Greenwash Corner? Mm -hmm. Well... Greenwash is about um, information being presented to make a company sound like they care about the environment or they're doing more than they actually are, or using these words like bio and green and um, eco, which have a lot of embedded meaning and um, expectations by people. And they're kind of aligning those with their products, but actually they might not be doing anything. We're questioning whether they're actually genuine and whether these things actually do make a difference okay cool so what have you put in greenwash corner this week um i'm just going to put the government just all of them all of the conservative government uh mainly because when the extinction rebellion things were happening and when uh the climate change programs were on the bbc and our planet they produced their own little video saying how carbon had been reduced by the conservative government over the last few years and i just feel like one it's not true and B, it's because actually a lot of things that have changed, um, kind of uh, like we don't um, we don't make anything in this country. So actually, we don't have any um, we don't have factories or uh, a lot of high polluting industries that we would have done in the past. So our carbon footprint has rem- been reduced uh, naturally and also the government has taken away loads of schemes which were really important like um schemes for construction there was um initiatives that builders had to follow which they got rid of they have like they remove red tape is what they call it um and they also have removed lots of s- subsidies so the subsidies for solar panels lots of things and so i feel like they were just pretending and they're riding on the coattails of uh, not their own actions. Oh, I remember, yeah, I remember
0: uh, years ago, it was kind of vote blue to go green, wasn't it? Yeah. The greenest government ever. Yeah. Hmm. No. Yeah, we'll, we'll see. Um, I
1: don't know whether I'm even opening that up for debate. I just think we're going to put them there and that's that. <laughs> They're in there. Put the, and leave them there. They need to, to do wrap. better.
0: Let's see What's let's see if yeah, they okay. can stand, come up to the, stand up to the task ahead.
1: They're only allowed out if they behave themselves and uh, do something drastic. God. So tell me, what's yours, Jess?
0: Ah, so I saw yesterday that a company, uh, Clipper Tea, who make uh, tea bags, bags, tea bags, um, have launched a plastic-free tea bag made from bananas. That is the independent headline: Clipper to launch plastic-free tea bag made from bananas. That sounds great, doesn't it?
1: Yeah. So, what's then how, then how are the bananas you turn into? Delve
0: into this. It says one of the UK's biggest tea brands is launching a plastic-free tea bag, instead switching to a new material made from bananas. But then you read a bit further on, and actually it talks about they're making the tea bags using abaca, which presumably is instead of the paper. But it's not replacing the, it's not replacing the plastic because it still includes a biopolymer made from a non-GM plant material known as PLA, and PLA is a bioplastic, but yeah. it's still a plastic. It's it's made from renewable resources, but it doesn't necessarily degrade in the same way that. A banana, a banana does, does. Yeah. you know you kind of it conjures up images bioplastic conjures up images of of an apple core rotting away in your mm-hmm. compost heap but it doesn't quite work like that and it says in in the um in the press release that uh they're biodegradable and compostable to industrial standards and they can they can go in your food waste bin and they'll be commercially composted after use. But that's not necessarily the case. We know that with waste management um, in this country, we don't have industrial composting facilities. And if your product is industrial compostable, it can't go in your food waste bin. It will be picked out and it will be incinerated, which I suppose the good thing about that is is that it won't give off toxic fumes in the same way as uh, oil-based plastics will. But I just think it's quite misleading to see this article, which is saying uh, plastic free tea bag made from bananas. I think it, it kind of conjures up this that, yeah, you throw the banana peel away and it will divide a grade like a banana peel. But I just wouldn't
1: take I take that with a huge pinch of salt. So I think we should yeah on this. We should put all um, PLA plastics in Greenwash Corner that say, um compostable or industrially compostable because actually you have to have a separate waste stream that's pre-organized and there's only about um 18 15 to 18 of these in vessel composters that will accept this stuff and only if it's sent separately because most of our waste goes to anaerobic digestion and anaerobic digestion removes all packaging and like you said burns it so should we just put all pla plastics in there
0: yeah and you know
1: appreciate they're trying to do a good thing
0: and that's cool but i just think it's misleading to say plastic free i think they shouldn't be able to say plastic free so just to finish off the podcast for today let's just think about some actions that people can take forward who are listening to this podcast today and want to maybe make a difference take some action what would you say
1: So I would say um, go to Iamanearthdefender.org and join the movement there. So that's a campaign to um, support the law of ecocide. And that will be the quickest way that we could stop all those awful companies that are polluting our world um, by making ecocide the same as genocide at the International Criminal Court. And it's just £5 to join the movement and help get small island states to go and lodge this um, uh, amendment to the law at the International Criminal Court. I am an EarthDefender.org. Links in the show notes. And just that point, we should
0: just give a shout out to the late Polly Higgins, who yeah. was the main campaigner and front woman for that campaign, and we uh, f- respect and admire her tenacity and rest in peace, Polly.
1: And what do you recommend people should do, Jess?
0: So my, my suggestion would just be go to your, find your local Extinction Rebellion um, group and go along. I think if you're curious about the movement, you can learn so much by just going along and being there. They'll give you an induction and explain it. And I really recommend it. I think uh, you'd be surprised at the diversity of the people there and the, the conversations that you can have and the ways that you can take action and feel like you're actually sort of standing up and making a
1: difference. And I would say also, if you don't have time to go to a meeting, just go along to an action or an event and get involved. You don't have to get arrested. Yeah, you can just you
0: can just observe. You can hand out leaflets. You can help with the cooking. There's so many different roles that you can have that don't involve getting arrested. If you want to
1: find out any more, links are obviously in the show notes and we'd love to hear what you think. We want to hear your feedback about things you want to know about, anything you want to hear more of and anything you are woke and confused about.
0: Thanks for tuning in. We'll see you next time.
1: Thanks, Livy. Bye, Jess.